People say I'm lucky to have survived, but I wish I had died. I can still taste the fear, still feel the pain. It's like going back to being a child again. I'm Acadia Einstein, and this is Strangeful Things. Welcome, everybody, to the second part of the international super guest episodes with Emma from Fan Critical. Emma, how are you since I last spoke to you, which was like two minutes ago? I mean, you know, things have gone downhill rapidly. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, knew, I knew I wouldn't be able to hold it. <laughs> <laughs> now, do you know what? I, this is, I'm really enjoying like recording this with you. We've wanted to do it for ages. Yeah. I'm really excited to be back to talk about when shit really gets real. Yes, that's for sure. Now, if you're listening when the shows come out, this is a week later, but Emma and I are recording them at the same time. We just didn't want them to be too long. If you're listening to this in the future, then you don't give a shit because you're just binging them anyway. Future. So whatever. Yeah. So future people, you just go on like nothing happened. And since... This is the same time as last week. We can't have anything. You know what my new and good is? I did an episode with my friend Emma, and it was fucking great. Do you know what my new and good is? What? I did an episode with my friend Acadia, and it was really good and great. All right. So we had gone through Fred and Rose West individually and sort of charted the tragic paths that led them to each other. Ugh. And they ended up both in, in Gloucester and Fred was somehow taking care of Rena's daughter, Charmaine and his own daughter, Anna Marie. And I want to stop right at the beginning for a second because we need to talk about Anna Marie. This is a true crime show. And I know that a lot of people love the details and the gorier the better, but. I am specifically not going to go into any of that concerning Anna Marie for the simple reason that she is still alive. And if you want to know what happened to her, you can buy her book. The quote in the cold open was from her after one of her suicide attempts. The amount of pain that that woman has gone through is immeasurable. And yeah. it's it's not the kind of thing that you need to know everything about. Yeah, and I think it's really important to acknowledge living victims. And I think, you know, it's different if we were talking about Jack the Ripper, right, for example. Exactly. You know, that was a, that was long enough ago that you can mm-hmm. kind of say and do what you like about it as long as you're respectful. And I think it is really important in this scenario with Anna Marie that she is allowed to tell her own story yes. and that nobody else takes that on. And I, I don't, you know, no matter how qualified you and I are, which is highly... <laughs> It's not appropriate for for us to do that, and it's not a conversation I really want to dive into, actually. Nope, it would just be a bummer, and give her a couple bucks, buy her book. Seriously, you can get it on Amazon. Now, we're about to get into what went on in the home of Fred and Rose West. And if you want, you can imagine the things that were done. She thought all the hideous abuses heaped upon her were love because she had never known any differently. But like I said, buy her book. And now we're going back to the story. Rose was a child and being expected to care for two other children. She was 15 when this started. Her boyfriend, Fred, 
the looming monster who sexually abused all three of them kept getting thrown in jail for petty shit, leaving Rose in charge. And here, with Rose as the boss, is where we get to the particular depravity of these two fuckers and how horrible it was that they found each other somehow in the universe. They were not process killers looking to get off on the planning and execution of the murders, nor were they really product killers hot to get the body good and dead so they could do fucked up things to it, though Fred kind of did. Mm, Yeah. They were just two deranged freaks for whom the fact that some people on the Earth were alive was a problem for them that they needed to solve. I mean, they were more sort of reactive killers. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, in in the moment and of the moment, and you know, even the 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 impulse to kill was spontaneous. None of it was ever planned, really, apart from oh, you know, we'll get onto that. Yeah, we need to get rid of them. Mm-hmm. But it was it was never, you know, I'm gonna. It was never a kind of hunter type right. thing. It wasn't going out no, and, wasn't and hunting for people and thinking about it. And even all of those things that Fred did uh, post mortem to victims, it was almost just a kind of an action of chance or opportunity rather than I want to kill these people so I can have sex with dead bodies or whatever. Yeah. Which I think is worse. For sure. I just, I think it's worse that you go, Oh, actually, do you know what right now? Maybe I'll just kill them. Yeah. And actually, Oh look, here's an opportunity for me to do something I haven't done before. Great. I'll rape a dead body. It is, it is fucking abhorrent. And in that vein of, Killing people was a way to solve a problem. Rose had a problem named Charmaine. She did not want to be taking care of her. Remember, this is Rena's child by another man. Mm-hmm. Fred, knowing that Charmaine was not his, always treated her badly. I mean, of course he did. He treated them all badly. But, I mean, Rose probably knew that even Fred did not give a shit about Charmaine. So mm-hmm. Rose just fucking killed her. It's not known if she was beaten or strangled or both, but she killed the little girl and threw her body down a fucking coal chute. She had to, you see, because Fred was in jail. So now, and this is the thing that gets me, right? Because, so that is a crime of impulse. Mm -hmm. And Rose is the one that, you know, there is debate about what Fred, whether Fred may or may not have killed somebody already. Mm -hmm. We can't prove that. I think the likelihood is pretty fucking strong. Sure. But Rose started this shit. Yep. Because she has no impulse control, which is not her fault. I mean, don't give a pregnant woman electroshock therapy. You know, clearly that wasn't helped. She Mm -hmm. was also brought up in a very toxic, very abusive environment. But also, she just lost her temper, got fed up, and was like, well, fuck it, I'm just going to kill this girl. Yep. Ugh. Ugh. But then the reptilian part comes in because she didn't go, oh, no, what have I done? I better call the police. No, she threw her down a coal chute, and she knew that she had to get rid of the body. So she had to wait till... There's no remorse. Yeah, no, none. And she waited till Fred got out of jail and said, you got to get rid of this. And he did, burying the child under the kitchen floor of the house they were living in. I'm not really sure if they lived in a fucking hut with a dirt floor, but whatever. I mean, he buried her under the floor. And Fred... I mean, it was the 60s, who knows? Yeah, that's true. Being a true weirdo cut off the child's fingers and toes and kneecaps because, of course, he did. That was his thing. What's with the kneecaps? I... I don't know. I don't know what you did like with Like, fin- fingers, identification, yeah. toes, I don't know, digits, fine. Yeah. Kneecaps? No, it's fucked up. Where, where you would even think of that? You trying to make her, a, like, a paraplegic ghost? Ugh, or, I mean, what is, what is your logic here? You'll never kneel again! Now, 
You will never stand on your own two feet yeah, right? because you have no toes or kneecaps. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Now, he probably stuffed him up his ass while Rose gave him a foot job, I guess. Ugh. That's my that's my educated guess. Dude. I'm just saying. <laughs> and it was about this time that Fred confessed to Dozy Rosie that he had killed Anna McFall. And then you have mutually assured destruction. They both had something over the other one, and that sealed their union in blood. So they they've already got this like really messed up relationship anyway, mm-hmm. which probably seems perfectly normal to both of them because Fred is an, an abusive controller mm-hmm. and Rose is desperate for any kind of affection and love, no matter how much, how violent that is or how fucked up that is, which clearly, you know, both of those things here. Mm-hmm. And now, basically, you know, it is that, it's, it's mutual assurance that they will never, they will never betray each other. Right. Like, Rose will never betray Fred because he could betray her and vice versa. So yep. now they are... Basically, they're sealed in murder, yes. and, and and that is when things start to really go mm-hmm. peak tong. Once you can't go back, the only place to go is yeah. forward. And you know, like with anything else, once you're used to something, you have to up the ante to get the same effect. So, well, and also, I think what they both realized at this point is that I think they liked it. They liked yeah. the power. Yeah, they had to. They liked the power of being able to say. Ah, you know, Rose is going, oh, this kid that isn't even my boyfriend's kid, mm-hmm. uh, she's really irritating. I can get rid of her. I have the power to do that. And Rose has never had power in her life. Never. And she's done something completely of her own volition, whether it was impulsive or, you know, whatever. She has now realized that she can take control of the situation, which she has never, ever had before. Yep. And, you know, Fred has always been in control because he's an abusive, you know, since he's been old enough to be able to take control and, you know, be rather than a small kid that's being abused by, you know, the beating log. Mm-hmm. You know, once he once he became a man, he has been in control and he has used his strength and his masculinity and his violence to control other people. But Rose has ne- not had that until she takes on Charmaine. Yep, you're right. That's uh, well well analyzed. Thanks. It's worth noting that while apparently everything in England at this time consisted of gross fucking and serious head injuries, <laughs> Rose was still a goddamn kid. I mean, also it didn't, but yeah, yeah I mean, in this particular story, uh, terrible times. Rose was a kid, and as such, her parents at least knew where she was. And even her piece of shit father, oh, he of the board of correction, knew that Fred West was fucking trash. And he even went to and go get... And at that get... point, you've got to question it. Yeah, you've exactly. Got to question it. Even if, if you're mentally unwell, abusive, violent father, thinks yes. Fred West is a shitbag, you have made a bad choice, Rose. Yes, and, you, and that means that Fred West is a shitbag. He even went to go get her away from Fred, but it didn't take. Hmm... That's kind of the last that we're going to say of Bill Letts, except that he might have ended up being one of Rose's customers while she was being a sex worker, but we're not going to say anything about that because that's just too gross to think about. No. We'll we'll just let that go. And now we're done with Bill Letts. Now. Thank God. (sighs) Fred and Rose were not what you would call financially secure. Because it isn't like Fred could pop down to the local bank and get a job processing loans. He was a laborer. Well, no, I mean, laborer, petty thief, never actually convicted of the rapes because, you know, the fits and that. Yeah, fits. The woman was probably hysterical, which at the time was a proper medical diagnosis. And ugh. Yeah. Make a hole in her head. She'll be fine. <sighs> God, lobotomies upset me. I know, right? So, 
they still needed money. You mentioned power earlier, and I want to talk to you about the, the power dynamics here. There's no more elegant way to say it. Fred pimped out 16-year-old Rose in order to make money. Right, so... Oh. I want to talk power, right? Mm-hmm. I One of the things that fascinates me about these two is that I am never quite sure who actually holds the power here. Uh-huh. Because there is there is a big switch change with the death of Charmaine, mm-hmm. with the murder of Charmaine, the yeah. vicious, violent murder. And, you know, Rose is always... She's always portrayed as, as a monster, but as the submissive in this relationship. Mm-hmm. I have doubts. I think that Rose held a lot of power over Fred you know both we talked about that kind of mutual assurance of the ability to destroy the other Mm -hmm. and you know later that's a conversation we can definitely pick up on um but but I think that one of the things that Rose liked so much about her relationship with Fred was that she had power Mm -hmm. she had some kind of power whether she was in control or not is is a whole other question but she had power over him because she had something that he needed but also she had something that she could control him with. Yep. And I think that that is where this becomes such an interesting power dynamic mm-hmm. because he has the the abuse and the control and the the violence. But she has some semblance of of that in in return. She does because even in the way that she became a sex worker, like he liked to watch other guys rail his girlfriend. He had a special peephole yep. he would look through while dudes paid to do all sorts of sick shit to Rose. But they even fucked up that business opportunity because they were such perverts that Fred also put ads in swingers mags featuring Rose so guys would come over and Fred could watch them do freaky shit with her for free. So. Bad businessman. Yeah, it's bad. You know, let's flag that. That that's not really financially sensible. No, it's it's awful. It's just awful. But I'll ask you this at the end of this little piece because when I say freaky shit, I mean Fred couldn't get it up unless there was something unorthodox going on. And this is not kink shaming anybody unless you're into like super violence, which is not great. But For Fred, there had to be toys or bondage or violence or another woman involved or, of course, all of them at the same time. And the fact that he wanted to watch himself be cuckolded, that's a thing. It's a thing, and it happens to this day. I don't understand it, but if you're in that kind of situation, who has the power? Because... Fred, at that point, can't do anything. Yeah, Rose does, right? 100% she holds the power in that situation. And, like, you know, know, no kink shaming whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Whatever you want to do and whatever gets you off, absolutely fine, as long as everybody is able to give consent and nobody is getting hurt against their will. Yep. Right, that is all, you know, if you are beating people up or murdering people uh, against their will, then that's not okay. Anything else, you fucking crack on. If you want to watch out the hole through the door in the cupboard, crack on like that's fine but that's not what's happening here um but what is happening is that the only the only thing that rose has to take control and to have power she is using Uh and i truly believe that she used her sexuality because she learned that that gives her power and control to manipulate fred and that's partly why i think she let him get away with what he did why she was complicit you are probably right yeah, I can see that. And and actually that bears out in 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 the end game of this a little bit. Yeah. You know, as far as what some theories were. I also think it's 
It's interesting. If you're with somebody that you know for a fact will kill somebody at the drop of a fucking hat, you must really trust them that they're not just going to kill you while you're sleeping. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, but, but there is that, that weird, really weird thing that they have, yeah. Fred and Rose, where there is like this unsaid mutual agreement that the two of them can get away with it, whatever the fuck they want, mm-hmm. because they're protecting each other. Yeah. And at this point, the other question you have to ask, right, is why has nobody asked where Charmaine is? Yeah. And that what, is... How, is... how is that a thing, right? How has no one gone, where's this kid? I'm bringing that up, too, because it... it... Because it's not the first time, or the, I mean, it's the first time, but it's not the last time that this is going to happen. The safety it's also net. Not the first time, though, is it? Because, like, um, you know, he's already killed somebody. Yeah, and McFall, and somebody we can't prove. Yep, and nobody's looking for her. Nobody, nobody is looking for these women, and that that is the tragedy of this whole thing: is that nobody looks for these women. Ugh. And it's so sad. It is just so sad, and it's not because they're living high risk lifestyles. It's just because people didn't give a shit about women. Yeah. These women were just, they were lost. And actually, you know, Rosie could have been a victim. Rosie. Rose could have been a victim. I was thinking Daisy Rosie. Yeah. Actually, do you know what? Would anyone have given a shit if she just disappeared off the face of the earth? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. And that's, that is tragic. And they would have assumed the father did it. Mm. For sure. Now, the fact that Fred was still married to Rena at this time, and Rose had murdered Rena's daughter became a problem when Rena inevitably came back looking for Charmaine. Well, thank God someone did. Exactly, right? That's the the only person, her mother. Fred told her that he would take her to see the child, but first they should go get super drunk. And Rena, obviously being a genius, thought that this was a great idea. And after she was completely shit-faced, Fred brought her back to the house and strangled her. He cut off the fingers and toes and buried her out near where he had buried Anna. Problem solved. That's not how you solve a problem. And I've just, for some really weird reason, now I've got the song from The Sound of Music about that's how you solve a problem with Maria in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Julie Andrews has made it into the podcast about the West. Who knew? How do you solve a problem like Myrina? Like Maria. (laughs) (laughs) How do you solve a problem like Myrina? (laughs) Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, the musical episode. <laughs> Why not? In 1972, they had another kid and they named her Mae West. Like, that's just awful in itself. I have no words. Uh, they got married. This is small, but it's significant in that the, the paperwork, like, I'm, I'm no legal scholar, but I'm pretty sure that the government knows you're married and that if you just go to get married again, they're gonna know. But apparently they didn't, and he even went to the same municipal office that he went to when he married Rena to marry I Rose. I love that you're so American. It's a registry office here. Municipal what? office. Yeah, well, you know, it's <laughs> whatever it was, nobody recognized him. But also what you gotta bear in mind is that like in nine what are we talking? Seventy two, right? Yeah. So in nineteen seventy two, paper records. Yeah, true. You know, um true, true, like, true. amazing so that today, the day that we're recording this and I'm sure you've seen this, Acadia, but they have deciphered one of the Zodiac Killers. Yes! Letters, which is, oh, mate, that should have been my new and good. 
God yeah, damn, right? that's my new and good is the Zodiac Killer. Right. Because also, it's not helpful at all. It doesn't give you any clues as to who no. it is. But, but, but this is why people like the Zodiac Killer and Bundy and, uh, you know, like Ramirez and people like that got away with things for so long because mm-hmm. everything was on paper. And yeah. actually, if you were working in the registry office mm-hmm. and this dude turned up 10 years later with some bird and they want to get married, are you going to, are you going to look through the files and check? No, because no, that wouldn't be my first thought that anyway. Rolodex is huge. Yeah. I mean, who the hell is going to want to do that twice? Like, that would not, not be the person the... that allowed them to get married. Yeah, too. right. Oy. So, Oy they moved into a house in Gloucester at 25 Cromwell Street, an address that would become infamous. It had three floors and a basement, so there was plenty of room to expand, take in lodgers so they could get a little bit of legal money, and let Rose continue to be a sex worker, so really it was a dream home for them. Well, congratulations, guys. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the British dream. Now, since they were ensconced in Cromwell Street, Fred's handiness with wood huh, could be brought to bear to make things more horrible through carpentry. He told a neighbor, who he and Rose once tried to seduce, that he was going to soundproof the basement and turn it into a torture chamber. He just said it. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody, you just went, yeah, it's just the weird guy from number 25. It's fine. Yes. We're British. We don't question things. Yes. And he did turn it into a torture chamber and they tested it on eight-year-old Anna Marie. Ugh. And that's why we don't talk about that. No. And from there, we get a pattern. The Wests wanted aggressive, painful, scary sex. And since there were not a ton of people in Gloucester that were down for that sort of thing, although if there were, they found them. A hundred percent, yeah. They needed to find other ways to get it. And the first time they tried it in their new house was with 17-year-old Carolyn Owens. This was 72, and Fred and Rose hired her as a nanny. Why do English kids have to get jobs instead of going to school? Like, how long do you have to go to school? And Like, aren't you 18 when you're in school? No. Oh. No, so so now I think you legally have to be in school until you are sixteen. Okay. So so secondary school is from eleven to sixteen, and then optional is what we call college. Okay. Uh, or sixth or sixth form, which mm-hmm. is like seventeen to eighteen. Depends on when you're born, but roughly seventeen to eighteen, and then university, i.e., your college is at any point after that, but usually like 18 or 19, you go to university for say three or four years, depending on what you study. Got it. Um, so I think I think legally now, 16 is the age at which you can leave school. I think in the 70s, it might have been 14. Oh. Because education wasn't... So unless you were going to become a doctor <laughs> yeah. or not even a nurse, to be honest, because nurses then weren't nurses like right. they are now. You know, there were just women going around cleaning bedpans. Hmm. Obviously, they did more than that, and that sounds like I'm being really insulting. And I, I work in healthcare, and it's an incredibly warm profession. But, like, actually, if you just need to get a job and pay the rent or the mortgage, you left school at 14 and you went and cleaned houses, or you went to a school, or, you know, like, unless you were going to train for something very specific and you had the money to do it, right? which in the 70s, the vast majority of people did not, right? then you just got a job. Well, then asked and answered. That makes sense to me. There you go. Yeah. So you guys in America, you you are in school till you're 18. I mean, 
depending on when you start, you could end up graduating when you're 17, but it generally goes up through 12th grade. Yeah. Yeah, it it goes up through 12th grade, so you're generally 18 by the time you graduate. So your, your 11th and 12th grade are like our college. Really? Well, yeah, so our sixth form, which is 17 to 18, or like 16, 17 to 18, 19, which is optional, sixth form or, or college, whatever you call it, is the same as your 11th and 12th grade then, if it's the last two years. And you leave probably when you're 18, maybe 17 at a push. And then university, which is your college. Oh. Right? Yes, that's our college. Yeah. Yeah. So you, basically you have compulsory sixth form. Got it. All right then. Guys, we're learning so much. Yeah, I know. This is, this is really. In the last episode, you learned about what is the correct way to put cream and jam on a scone. Mm Mm-hmm. Now you're learning about higher education. Counties are like states. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. This might go in the reference section, I think. I think it should. Yeah, yeah right? Reference, entertainment, and horror. Yes, exactly. Now We're bringing you everything, guys. We've got it all. Now, Carolyn Owens was pretty hot, and Fred and Rose were both constantly trying to seduce her. And I used verbal quotation marks because the idea of Goonie, Evil Fred, and Dozy Rosie trying to be suave and seductive is just repulsive. Like, I like your dress. (laughs) (laughs) Every time you say seduce, I'm like, that is just the grimace. Because I think of seducing as like, you know, a Mills and Boons with, um, who's the guy that's always in the front of a Mills and Boons book with the long blonde hair? Oh, Fabio? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, I think of Fabio seducing the nanny or something, <laughs> and I don't think of Fred and Rose West. And the idea of them trying to seduce people is basically exactly what you just said <laughs> and the face you made when you did it, and it just makes me cringe so bad. When you were saying earlier about seducing the neighbour, I was like, that was oh, quite. Jesus. He probably apologised and then shook his hand and yeah. you know, maybe gave him a cake. Like, that's how we react to shit like that. Sorry about that, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so I'm so I'm so sorry. Fucking hunchback monster. All right, so Carolyn, to her credit, was also repulsed by these attempts, and she said she was going to leave, and that was a problem for the Wests. And how do you solve a problem like Rosie West? Exactly. Except this time, they solved it by abducting, tying up, and raping her, and telling her that if she told anyone, they would kill her and bury her body. Under the paving stones of Gloucester. Now, I don't know why you would be so specific in where you're going to bury it. Also, that seems like way more work. In a bit of the research, they said that Fred had gotten, and I believe the word was an allotment, sort of a public garden where you could... Oh, do you guys not have allotments? I mean, we have public gardens, so I think probably it's similar. No, no, no. Can we we do a little bit of... um educating of course educating Acadia so an allotment is a really British country thing although it's becoming bigger in cities because of the lack of green spaces so an allotment is like a little patch that you have so like I don't know six by six foot maybe bigger mm-hmm. uh, you do feet yeah feet yeah fine because I can't do meters so don't don't give me oh, don't good. give me metrics good. it's very confusing uh, but there's like 50 of them okay. in the allotment and right. you have your allotment and you go like you know, every other day and you go and plant your plants and you talk to your allotment neighbours. And, uh, uh, you know, if you don't have a garden, you, you have an allotment. Well. It's kind of adorable. Yeah, it is kind of. Well, not Fred's because he had. Well, no. 
a section of his that wasn't planted. And when his allotment neighbors asked him about it, he said it was for something special. And I don't know why, if he had that, that he would not. Why would he say we're going to bury you under the paving stones of glass? Why would you be so specific? That really has bothered me. I mean, to be honest, I don't know if him going, if you fucking tell anyone I'm going to bury you in me allotment is a yeah, scary. Yeah, that's true. That's not a scary. I'm going to bury you under the paving stones of Gloucester. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's 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 more terrifying. I think telling him you're going to bury them in the allotment is slightly less kind of. Yeah, that's true. That's kind of lame yeah. now that you mention it. Yeah. Well. Even the even the paving stones thing didn't work because Carolyn told fucking everybody what happened. And the Wests, with Rose pregnant again, went to court and insisted that Caroline was a willing partner in the sex. And the court bought it because the magistrate didn't think that 31-year-old Fred and 19-year-old Rose were capable of violence. What a dumb magistrate. This would be another pattern. The cops fucking sucked in this case. Okay, I mean, he's he's been, like, let off rape because he has fits. Yep. And now they're like, yeah, do you know what, Caroline, though? Um, you're pretty, and, you know, clearly you were up for this. Yeah. I mean, Fred and Rose. Dozy Rosie? Yeah. Definitely not. We don't even really care. You probably asked for it. Did you wear a short skirt? Never mind. See yeah. ya. Yeah. You totally, you totally wanted it, and... Also, even though Fred has been convicted of petty theft like 9,000 times, that would never accelerate to another crime. Never, never, never. Ooh, acceleration? What do you mean? Yeah, right. I'm still driving a wholesome car. Exactly. Now, that's not new in cases where serial killers were allowed to keep operating because the cops didn't really look for the victims. But it seems especially ugly in Britain, and this is where we're dealing with very young girls, and social services in the UK is much more on the ball as a rule, right? Like... If you got pregnant, wouldn't someone from the government come to your house and give you, like, an instruction book or some shit like that? Like, isn't it a lot more hands-on? Hi, you're pregnant. I've just seen your test in the rubbish. Here's a booklet to tell you how to cope with it. <laughs> do you know what um, you're doing? <laughs> so, do you know what? I think it's really difficult to make comparisons because we're a smaller place. Uh -huh. We are a smaller country. And in some places, yeah, social social services are really hot on stuff. Right. And in other places, they're really underfunded and they can't be. Got it. And also, in some places, you hire people that don't give a fucking shit. Mm -hmm. You know, there's been there's been a huge amount of things coming out in the last sort of four or five years. You know, I think like Jimmy Savile, for example, is is a great example, of, a terrible example, but a great example of what we're talking about here. And that there are hideous, hideous exposés about horrendous abuse of children in care. Oh, in the UK. Jesus. Where actually the entire opposite of what you've just said or asked is the case where social services just don't give a fuck. Ugh. Or they're so overworked they can't. They can't. And yeah. I think now there's much more of a focus. I have a few friends who work in that area where, you know, they try desperately, desperately hard to make sure that anybody in a vulnerable situation is checked in on right. and cared for. But it, But it's a capacity thing. You know, like if you're underfunded and you don't have people around, then yeah. But also what we do have is the NHS now. So we have a public health system, which we get for free. Right. And it is amazing. Yes, it has its issues. Of course it does, because, mm -hmm. you know, every medical staff is underpaid right. for doing an amazing job. Right. And working 72 hours without a break for mm -hmm. minimum wage. 
let's not get into that debate. So, uh, yeah, so if you if you are pregnant and you tell your doctor, 100% someone turns up and goes, here's a book about how to cope with it, and also here's all the things you have to do. Right. But if someone who's always been a bit of an issue or who is a bit truant or always a petty thief or whatever calls rape, likelihood is Aye. probably less likely to pay attention to it. Well, it's the way of the world. That's... God, that was depressing. I'm so sorry. Can I, I know. No, don't worry time? about it. We'll we'll get to oh. a we'll get to a murder right here in a second. So that'll that'll lighten oh, things yay. up. <laughs> Hello there. Fan Critical is a podcast dedicated to TV and film. I'm Len. Hi, Len. I'm John. Join us and the rest of the Fan Critical team as we run through all of yours and our favourite shows. Yep, we've covered all the greats. Your Game of Thrones, HBO's Watchmen, Mm. even something that's not so great, The Walking Dead. And now we're about to begin our coverage of HBO's Lovecraft Country. Could be good, could be shit, who knows. (laughs) If you have ever wondered about shit films on Netflix... Yeah, nice segue. We do cover them for our patented series, The Worst of Netflix. If you fancy having a laugh, come and join us on that. And if you want to hear us get a little tipsy Mm. and talk about some of the shameful secrets and classic films that we've been lying about seeing for years, then you can check out our How the F*** Have You Not Seen That series. Some absolute classics in there like Gladiator, Reservoir Dogs and Spirited Away. So if you do want to listen to us at Fan Critical, we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, we're on Google Podcasts, we're on every place that you can find a podcast. All you need to do is search for Fan Critical. Yeah, so do that. Do it right now. Stop what you're doing. Do it right now. Then go now. pour yourself a drink. Come have a laugh and listen to us. Yeah. Cheers, guys. See ya. The thing that they learned from this whole episode was that if they were going to rape young women, it didn't pay to just threaten them because they could still tell someone. And next time, they'd probably not be so lucky. Now, this reptilian logic of theirs was correct, and their first test of it was Linda Goff. She was a part-time nanny, because apparently it's hard to take care of the kids, abuse the kids, be a sex worker, be a petty thief lunkhead all at the same time, so they need a lot of nannies. Yeah, man. And Goff was also a seamstress that the West killed. Fred took his trophies, so I guess in a way he was a product killer, because he always did take the, the trophies. And he buried her in the what garage. Did, it's weird, though, isn't it? Because like he's a product killer in, in the respect of taking trophies, but uh, but I feel like that was again, it's just an opportunity of chance. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think yeah he, no, kill, he didn't kill people to take their toes. It's a hundred percent. When he when he killed people, he was like, "Oh, great! I can put some more toes oh, in more my, toes. Toe, my yeah. toe box." Yeah, exactly. Mm, tasty toes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Horrible man. And after that, they were off to the races. Fred was constantly improving the house. He turned the garage into more living space and stuff like that. But all at the same time, they were torturing, raping, killing, and burying young women around the house on Cromwell Street. And don't forget that just because Rose was a sex worker, that Fred stopped his free-use way of doing things. And I shudder to think what the kids might have been exposed to on top of what happened to them. It, like, mm. it, So then they tried their plan out again successfully with 15-year-old Carol Ann Cooper. And they managed to pull all of this off with the cops, who I assume were all Benny fucking Hill, constantly (laughs) picking Fred up or investigating because his contribution to the house fund was stealing. No. He needed money to buy concrete to cover up the fucking bodies he had buried in the floor. And that's a fucked up stressful lifestyle. (laughs) I'm not trying to... Dude, I mean, yeah, it's hard work. 
They were so stupid, they didn't even have a solid plan to finance their depravity. That's messed up. Yeah, totally. And it's like, you know, concrete's not cheap. No, no. I mean, it's it's not mega expensive, but it's not cheap. No. Like, you know, if you're going to kill people, and also if you're basically like constantly renovating the house to make it into a torture chamber, you've got to pay for that stuff. I mean, the logical thing is you, you know, because Rose is now being a sex worker for free because Fred likes to watch from inside the wardrobe. So obviously you have to steal shit, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Prick. So on January 3rd, 1974, Fred went to the hospital with a deep cut on his hand. And it was figured out later, much later, mm-hmm. that the cut was caused when the knife he was using to cut up university student Lucy Poddington's body slipped. They took her on December 27th. And he cut himself on January 3rd. So you can just think about how the intervening days were spent in the torture chamber basement at Cromwell Street. That. And, you know, when you say took her, they abducted this poor girl, mm-hmm. this poor young woman, yep. and kept her and tortured her for a week. Yep. Until a they week. got bored. And that, and that's it. It's like, oh, it's just, God, it makes me angry. In a year's time between 1974 and 1975, they kidnapped, raped, tortured, murdered, dismembered, and buried three girls. Teresa Siegenthaler, Shirley Hubbard. And Juanita Mott. Teresa was 21, Shirley was 15, and Juanita was 18. I'm going to pull a quote from TrueTV.com where I got a lot of the info for this episode. Along with countless depressing documentaries that I watched. Because I want everyone to get an idea of what forms the torture took without being too all up in you. I think I mentioned earlier that one of the things the West were into was bondage. So... I'm going to keep my hands clean and have Emma give us a little taste of what that meant to them. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Bondage was becoming a major thrill for Fred and Rose. Shirley's head had been wrapped entirely with tape and a plastic tube was inserted in her nose so that she could breathe. Juanita was subjected to even more extreme bondage. Juanita was gagged with a ligature made from two long white nylon socks, similar to those worn by Rose. A brazier, or a brazier, and two pairs of tights, one within the other. She was then trussed up with the lengths of plastic-covered rope with the type used for washing line. The rope was used in a complicated way, with loops tied around her arms and thighs, both wrists, both ankles, and her skull, horizontally and vertically, backwards and forwards across her body until she could only wriggle like a trapped animal. Then the West produced a seven-foot-long length of rope with a slipknot end forming a noose, this is probably used to suspend Juanita's body from the beams in the cellar. That's a lot of fucking prep work to... And this is where you realise that they have become less killers of chance or convenience yeah. and, and, and planners because they've realised that they like this. Mm-hmm. And, and whether that is because it gets both of them off, it brings them closer together, whatever it is, the two of them have found something that gives them both what they need Mm -hmm. and also brings them closer and closer together. You know, there's no fear between them at this point. They are hunting. Yes. They are looking for every opportunity Mm -hmm. to take their depravity to the next level. Yes. They were exploiting the depressed economic times of the mid-1970s with Mm -hmm. promise of nanny jobs and cheap lodging in the house and, you know, all that kind of shit. So, and also, you would be more likely to get into a car with a couple inside it than you would with a 
just Fred going, you want a ride? You know. Jump in my car. <laughs> Go on. Would you like to feel my skull plate? <laughs> Let's have a cup of tea and a cup of marmite. Uh, um, you know, like, 100%, if some strange bloke in a car drives up to you, you're not getting in it. No. If, if a woman is with that guy and she's a bit simple and seems quite nice, which by mm. all accounts, Rose did seem nice. Yep. Your, especially in the 70s, your sense of fear disappears and you don't very often see couples killing. Mm. You know, here in the UK, there are two very distinct examples of that, but you don't often see women hunting for victims. Mm -hmm. There are very few female serial killers and the ones that do exist, exist for certain reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I think the only other example that I can think of about a couple killing is Carla. Homolka and Bernardo. Yeah. In Canada, yeah. yeah. And that, you know, that in itself, it's the same thing. There's a comfort in not just a creepy guy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, it's true. And as for hunting grounds, they the West had a nearby, quote, home for wayward girls, which was pretty fucking handy for them. One such girl known in court proceedings as Miss A, was brought to Cromwell Street and made to watch Fred rape two children. Then she was raped by Fred and sexually assaulted by Rose. So that was a nice visit. Uh, and what you get there is you suddenly realise that Rose has, again, this goes back to exactly what we said before, Rose's power. Mm -hmm. Rose has power over Fred by being a sex worker, but by being sexual. Yep. And Rose can have power over other people because she's realised that Women can rape. Yeah. Sex is her power, and yep. it's disgusting. Ugh. Not sex. Sex is great if it's yeah, consensual yeah. and not hurting anyone. Uh, but Rose's use of sex as power is, is yes. absolutely grim. Now, for some reason, though, they did not kill her. And she must have been so wayward that it took her a long time to tell, because the West went right on with their fucked up lifestyle, and, and this <laughs> testimony came out later. And one of the lodges they took in, 18-year-old former sex worker Shirley Robinson started having consensual relationships with both Fred and Rose separately. I mean, I assume they were all together some of the time, but you know what I mean. And of course, Fred's apparently super mighty sperm went into effect again and got Shirley pregnant. Why is it always the really awful people that have great sperm? I don't know. They they realize that they, they've got to make up for all the people that they're killing, so they have to make more, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. It's like... Oh, no, I've used loads of paper. I'll plant a tree. Oh, I've yeah, killed exactly. so many women. I must make a baby. Oh, Jesus. Oh, um, that's just, I'm ashamed of myself for saying no, that. No, it's the show. It does it to you. It's, and it's all right. People are used to it. Now, meanwhile, Rose was pregnant by one of her Johns. Again? And they had narrowed it down to a West Indian man. And Fred was apparently thrilled that they would have a mixed race baby. But that tells me that Fred may have felt differently about Rena back in the day than he did about Rose. With Rose, he was happy to be a cuck, but he hated it with Rena. And that's weird, and I don't know whether it means he loved Rose more or he loved Rose less. Like, what do you think? I don't think it's about love. Well, th what he thinks is love. I think it's about mutual... What's the word I'm looking for? So it's, like it's, it's mutual depravity, isn't it? So right. Rena, although Rena was not perfect, she didn't deserve what happened to her. She no. didn't deserve Fred. No. She didn't deserve any of those things. No. And I think I think with Rose, what he has is a he has a mutual depravity, and there's almost a respect I think between them because mm -hmm. they are both 
fucked up awful people. Yeah, they really are. And they make each other worse. They exacerbate each other's negativities and, mm-hmm. and depravities and they encourage each other. And again, they've got that hold, haven't they? Of, yeah. Well, you know, I know what you did. You know what I did. Well, let's just keep killing people. Yep. We'll just keep spiraling downward, ever downward. Rena had a moral compass. Mm-hmm. You know, she might not have made the best choices in life, but none of us do. None of us are perfect. Mm-hmm. If Rena had known what Fred was doing, she would not have let that no. lie. You know, and I, and I think that, you know, yeah, okay, his version of love, their version of love, Fred and Rose, is more than what Fred felt for Rena. For Rena, yeah. Because Fred is allowed to be his depraved, sick, yes. fucked up self with Rose that he never was with Rena. Right. Rena wasn't on the team, as it were, whereas oh. Rose was. No. Yeah. And like, you know, we all hope to meet that person that we can be our true selves with. Mm-hmm. But we're not psychopaths. So... You know, different ballgame. That's right. So sorry, people that were betting on us being psychopaths, because we're not. (laughs) One thing that was consistent was that Rose didn't want Fred's kid with another woman around. Now, you remember she killed Charmaine. So she started Mm -hmm. nagging Fred about Shirley. And apparently, happy wife, happy life applies even within the marriages of hideous sex murderers, because sure as shit, Fred killed Shirley. Cut the baby out of her for some reason. Took his trophies, apparently from the baby as well as Shirley, so maybe that's why he cut it out. Whoa, what? I did not know that. That is fucked. Uh, I mean, all of this is. Yeah, but that's particularly. And buried them in the back garden. He had to use the garden because the cellar was too full of bodies at that point. When you say garden, you mean yard, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, like the outside The property, the outside property. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Your garden. Your garden, dear, yes. is uh, is your backyard. Okay. I asked you that to deflect from the fact that I just had to say Fred cut off a baby's fingers and toes. <laughs> that is, shockingly, in the, the two hours we've been discussing these people, that is the worst thing that's happened. Yes. Oh, I'm, re- I'm really quite traumatized about that. Uh, so now, Rose had the kid in 1978, and Louise, who was not Fred's, was the sixth in the house. Six kids in that hellhole. And while I said I wouldn't mention Anna Marie again, I do need to point out that about the same time, Fred got Anna Marie pregnant, but it was ectopic and it was aborted in a small bit of mercy. (sighs) Speaking of six kids, a common thread throughout the story is that Fred and Rose both thought that everything that was going on was normal. And the kids thought the same thing. It was not like anything was hidden. They knew their mother was a sex worker, and they knew what was happening to poor Anna Marie. They obviously couldn't have friends over or anything, but they did go to school and try to be as normal as they could. And there's a lot of good documentaries out there about this case, and the kids have been brave enough to talk about it as adults. Mm. So if you're interested, you should look into it. And you know, and again, that's bringing this back to the whole cycle of abuse, isn't it? Is that if something is purported to be normal, Mm -hmm. and it is the only thing that you know, like these poor fucking kids, then it is normal, isn't it? Yeah, you know, it is. And yeah. and for Fred and for Rose, they grew up in a home mm-hmm. that was abusive. Yep. So, you know, and, unless you are aware enough, which in the seventies people weren't. Mm-hmm. Let's be honest. You know, now if you're a victim of abuse, you are given support yes. if you are able to to find it and mm-hmm. ask for it. And therefore, most people try to break that cycle of abuse. Yes. But back then. That was just the way shit was. Your dad beat you or your teachers, you know, wrapped you with a cane. And that was just life. 
Because you were dealing with a bunch of people who had been beaten as children and said, yeah. I turned out all right. And they didn't turn out all right at all. That no, was- <laughs> 100% not. Like, my dad, when I was a kid, and my dad smacked me three times as a child. Mm-hmm. I remember every single one. I remember exactly why I was smacked. And I never did it again. Because it wasn't commonplace. Right. It was shocking. Right. It was really shocking. But that was not how, you know, kids of my parents' generation or your parents' generation were brought up. Like, yeah. it's... Uh, and so there's a a part of it where you go I get it but also dude your basement is full of dead people the next time you go around to see your father you should just write a little sign that says thank you for not having a discipline log (laughs) explain no context whatsoever I'll take it for his birthday next week here's your case thanks for not having a discipline log (laughs) so finally Anna Marie was old enough to have a boyfriend now, how the poor fucking kid managed to compartmentalize things enough to do that, I will never know. But she moved out of the house to live with the boyfriend. And that meant that Fred needed a new go-to child to rape. And he went after the oldest kid he had with Rose named Heather. He also went after May. But we know for a fact that Heather fought her father's attempted rapes and molestations off. She got her ass beaten for it, but she did it. Good for Instead of murdering for a while, apparently the West just decided to pump out a bunch more kids. In 1980, they had Barry. In 1982, Rose had Rosemary Jr. Who the fuck names a girl Jr.? That's not a thing. That is not a thing. Also, who names the kid Barry? Barry. <laughs> right, uh, Barry. Oh. Rosemary Jr. wasn't Fred's kid. Oh. Then she had Luciana in 1983, who was also not Fred's. And apparently... Having a million kids on top of being a sex worker got to Rose as she became more short-tempered and started wailing on the kids for little to no reason. So they were stuck in a house with... like, 20 children now. Yeah, pretty much. This is awful. One of them was called Barry. They were stuck in a house with beatings and molestations on the menu every goddamn day. This stretch when the West were not killing others must have been more of a hell for the kids than the usual. And that's sad to say that, but that is 100% true because all of a sudden the attention is on them because Fred and Rose have found their, you know, their kick is violence. Yeah. Or sadism, really. It's sadism, isn't it? Let's be honest. And it's not the okay kind of sadism. No. You guys, if you're into that, you crack on as long as everyone is consenting Mm -hmm. and of age. Heather, for better or worse, told a friend about the beatings and the attempted rapes. The friend told her mother... And the friend's parents happened to be friends of the West's. I'm not sure if they went to the cops or not, but I'm thinking not. Because suddenly Heather moved away. Problem solved. Because Heather had moved to a hole in the garden that Fred made her brother Stephen help him dig. I mean, Fred's not getting any younger. (laughs) And cutting off the kneecaps of your own flesh and blood must get you puffing a little bit. So I could see why he needed a hand digging the hole, but still. I, I mean, that, I mean, that is just the ultimate abuse of power, isn't it? Yeah. It's going, oh, I'm really sorry I raped and murdered your sister. Um, but what I really need you to do now, like my father made me, is dig the garden up so I can bury her in it. Yeah. And what the fuck? Put a patio over it. It's like, so you would never have heard of this, but anyone who is listening to this who is British... Uh, or he watched British TV in the 90s, there was a, uh, a soap opera called mm. Brookside. Okay. And in Brookside, I'm not laughing, it's so funny, uh, somebody killed someone and buried them under the patio. Oh. 
And that is like that. That's one of the biggest moments. Second biggest moment in Brookside. Biggest moment was when Brookside screened the first ever television screened lesbian kiss, which was amazing. Nice. But the thing I remember is that somebody killed someone and buried them under the patio in Brookside, which you know, obviously inspired. That'll tend to stick. Yeah. Well, after Heather, it all started falling apart. See, most of the women that the West killed were not people anyone missed. And one who was missed had no connection to the couple at all, so they never found a thing. But they also got sloppy, and maybe it was because they were running out of places to bury bodies, but they went back to their original method of raping girls together and then trying to guarantee their silence with threats. They even threatened their kids that if they didn't keep their mouths shut, they would, quote, end up under the patio like Heather. And this is the sad thing, is that they picked high-risk individuals who Mm -hmm. nobody would miss, or if they didn't kill them, nobody would believe them. And that is, I mean, that's when you realise that their depravity has gotten so low, Mm -hmm. so low, uh, but also their desperation for violence and their desire for it is so high, and they've got away for it for so long. And at this point, they've been killing for, what, if you take into account Fred, a decade? 20 years, more. It yeah, I mean, like it's just it's, it's batshit, isn't it's it? It's like, crazy. And so, of course, they think they can keep, they can be more reckless, they can take more risks because, well, I mean, they can, they absolutely can, and and that is just like fucking mental. Yeah, it really is. But also, you can see the logic behind it. If oh, you've yeah, got away yeah. with it for this long, fuck it. It's a logical progression. But one girl they raped told her friend, and the friend told her mother. And the mother told the cops. And the detective assigned to the case was Hazel Savage, which, number one, is a badass name. Mm-hmm. And number two, she remembered Fred from back when he was with Rena. Because remember, and, Rena went uh, to the cops to talk about what a pervert he was. Uh-huh. And it was Hazel Savage that was the Hazel cop. Savage is a badass. The right? She's so badass. So she remembered Rena telling her what a pervert Fred was. And since <laughs> she was looking... She decided to actually try to see what had happened to Heather, Rena, and her daughter, Charmaine. Finally. Yes. Someone is going, shit, these people have been gone for a long time. Yep. Like, where are they? Like, crazy stuff that was like, oh, well, Charmaine went to a new school, but the the new school never requested her records from the old school and nobody paid any attention to it or any, you know, it was just. No one cared. Yeah, exactly. It's not a surprise that once you start picking up rocks, you're going to find out what's under them. People started talking, and eventually, Fred was charged with 12 murders. They dug up his yard, the garden, and it was a huge thing in the papers. Rose also flipped on him, and this seems to have hurt him more than anything else, so there's your power. Mm -hmm. He hanged himself in jail in 1994 like the shitbag that he was. Rose went to trial in 1995. During the proceedings... It was revealed that old Dozy Rosie was the brains of the outfit and that Fred agreed to cop to murdering Charmaine and Shirley Robinson to protect her. I think it's testimony to how stupid Fred was that Rose got christened the brains of the operation. Yeah, I mean, like, Dozy Rosie is insulting, mm-hmm. but she was not. She was all the sandwiches short of a picnic. Jesus. Not her fault in any way. No. She's a terrible person. I'm not allowing that to be an excuse for what she did. But the fact that she is the one that, and I don't disagree, that became the brains of this operation, mm-hmm. that became the enabler, Ugh. is, I mean, what the fuck? Fred, man. Like, Fred. Ugh. So, and he did all the work, the carpentry stuff, 
Ugh. Anyway, yeah. I never got to have you do a British Chrome voice all this time, two episodes. But I think this oh, last no. little bit of horror from the life of the West will do nicely. Rose was sentenced to 10 life sentences for the 10 murders she was convicted of and is in jail to this day. Part of the madness of the case is that they had so many goddamn kids during it all. I mean, free use is one thing, but fuck, that's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. But according to Rose, there could have been many, many more. <clears throat> Fred liked to fashion crude metal devices to perform homemade abortions with. <sighs> that is the grimmest thing I've said in years. <laughs> and that is, you know, the horror of this is, is that predominantly, by the sounds of things, when you read about this and when you watch and listen to all of the content around the West, mm-hmm. is that mostly he was aborting his own children. Yep. Because half of the kids that Rose had were not Fred's. Yep. And, and, and like, there is, ah. Oh, just ugh. That, Wrong. That's the perfect. That's the perfect coda to this. Just ugh. <laughs> Just grim. And that's that is the tale of Fred and Rose West. How'd I do, buddy? Ah, uh, mate, you nailed it. Like this is such a complex story, and it, and it's very difficult to talk about events and actions like this without being disrespectful. Actually, mm-hmm. because it is. I mean, we're talking about people being murdered and you know it's 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 a grim subject and it's a difficult one and i think actually one of the biggest challenges of talking about true crime which is partly because why i don't do it all the time i can joke about films all i like right is because it is very hard not to do the if i didn't laugh i'd cry Mm -hmm. but there is that you've made this beautiful balance i think in these two episodes of getting the details in there we know what they did right but also avoiding the things that are not appropriate or Good. acceptable for us to talk about. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. I'm glad. I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge. Like, you know, this is only 25 years ago that they were convicted. Mm-hmm. There are still people living with the loss of their victims. Yeah. And there are still victims living with mm-hmm. what they did. And, you know, no matter how much I might joke about Daisy Rosie and Fred's mum, Daisy the cow. Mm-hmm. I have milked that a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I have milked it dry. <laughs> It's not funny. They are awful people. But also it's fascinating because psychologically there are so many questions to ask about their relationship. And I think the question of power is a really big one. And you go right back to when we said, you know, what I said to you a couple of weeks ago about how, like, if it wasn't for what she did, you'd feel sorry for Rose. Uh Because if she hadn't have met Fred, she might have used sexuality as a power trip. Mm Mm-hmm but not to the extent that she did with Fred. And I right. think what Fred brought out on her was, I mean, essentially it's, it's, it's the letting go of every single inhibition that you have, isn't it? You know, when you, when you murder somebody, you've let go of every part of your morality. You've let go of any human or moral inhibition. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. And, and, and you, you allow your basest desires to run free. And the two of them brought out the worst in each other. And they reveled in it. And it is fascinating. And what's also desperately sad, but equally fascinating, is how they got away with it for so long. And people talk about high-risk victims. And actually what you're talking about is the people in society that no one gives a shit about. And that that is the tragedy of this story, is that this went on for so long Mm -hmm. because nobody cared about the people that went missing. Nobody, Nobody asked the question. Nobody said... Where are these people? Yeah. 
where are these girls? Where are these young women? Where have they gone? Where's Rena? Like, yeah. dude, just mad. And I just think Rose's reaction was exactly what you expect of her at this point. Mm-hmm. Fred's reaction, I was surprised by. I was surprised by him killing himself. Yeah. I, I think, like, yes, okay, in a way, taking your own life is the ultimate control, isn't it? But at the same time, I feel, I, I still feel surprised that he would have let go of the chance of his notoriety. I think he killed himself not because he was afraid of the trial or anything like that, but because Rose turned on him. I yeah. think that that was the end of it for him because without he her... He was heartbroken. Yeah. And that that's fucked. Whatever fucking old black jelly bean of a heart that he had. Ugh. I think that my last takeaway from this, and and thank you so much for doing this. I can't I can't thank you enough. Oh, I've had was, the best story. <laughs> this was marvelous. Going through the research, I mean, this was a this was a family that went through life, and the kids went to school and everything like that. And there's there's so many pictures of the kids when they were little, smiling. You know, but they knew nothing else. This was a fucking household, mm-hmm. and. There had to have been happy, like, you'd think about it from the standpoint of, like, oh, it must have been fucking terrible all the time. And obviously, overall, it was, but but how much kids have to juggle in their heads between, you know, I'm going to be happy when the a small opportunity presents itself to be happy. And it's, it's just devastating. It really, so- really is. One of the things that, that tends to happen with a notorious story like this is that you forget about the victims who weren't the murder victims. Mm-hmm. They had like a dozen children. Ugh. Those kids have to live as the children of Fred and Rose West. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, yes, the people and the young women, the young women, the poor, vulnerable young women that were killed by that couple mm-hmm. are victims. But the biggest victims are the ones that still have to live with it. And I, you know, and that respect about Anna Marie is, is I think that's really important. And that there are, there are a number of those children who have to live with the fact that they are descended from these people, these depraved, hideous people. And that, that's never talked about. No. They talk about, you know, demolishing the house at 25 Cromwell Street. They talk about, you know, Fred taking his life. They talk about Rose blaming it all on him, being the mastermind, in inverted commas, that's mm-hmm. the face that she never was, of the operation. But nobody ever talks about the fact that there are people who have to live their life knowing that this happened to them or around them. And that is a tragedy. It it's really a travesty, is. actually. It's, it is a, it is a, it's a horrible thing that there are people that have to close their eyes and see the inside of that house. It's awful. Well, not anymore. No. No, but when they close their eyes, I'm sure they still Yeah. Now, to end on a high note, why don't you tell everybody how they can get you on social media if there are any social medias that you're actually on? There are many. So Fan Critical is uh, a plethora of uh, delightful content, and Mm -hmm. you don't have to just listen to me. There are other British people talking about (laughs) other stuff uh so you can find us on facebook really simple it's just fan critical search for it you'll come up there's some lovely little you know digital versions of us uh, mm-hmm. i'm a zombie with glasses uh you can get us on twitter it's at fan critical pod uh you can get us on instagram it's at fan underscore critical uh we 
always try to respond to people as much as possible. If you want to send us an email with some ideas about things we should cover or some feedback about any of our content or anything like that, it's fancriticalpodcast at gmail.com. That's marvelous. And you can get me at Acadia. You can get the show at Strangeful Pod on Twitter. There's a bunch of other ones too, but that is Shuey's part of the end of the show. And I <laughs> didn't memorize it and I don't, I'm not good at Instagram, so I'm not even going to, I'm just going to no sell it. <laughs> so thank from the bottom of my heart. Thank you, Emma. This uh, Oh, mate, thank you. This has been an absolute delight. It was worth uh, to finally record with you. Like this is amazing. I know it, it was worth the 18 month wait. It was. That's what I say. 100%. Have a marvelous, marvelous rest of your weekend, and I cannot wait for everybody to be able to listen to this. Same. Thank you so much. You got it. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.